Yeah, here we go. We're recording. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so welcome back. Welcome to back. Not so Molly Mormon mm-hmm. podcast. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> it's our third episode. Third, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Third. third episode. Um, and also just like a huge shout out to people who have already listened and supported and have left like so many amazing comments and stories like for us I think that's the biggest point of this whole entire podcast is to know that it resonates with other people and that like there's they're sharing all these stories that are completely what we want you know like it's exactly what we were hoping for and so shout out to you wonderful people who have been so supportive and friendly and listening and putting up with my obnoxious laugh. (laughs) No, it it means so much. Yeah. It means so much to us. We love it. Yay. We we can't wait to hear more of your stories so we can talk about them or have you on the podcast. Yes, please. Like send in your stories. Like I find them so fascinating. And even if it's like friends who are listening and I know these stories, I don't know every part of it and I don't know it from this perspective as being a non-Mormon so I would love a recap or refresher or whatever the fuck like I just think it's brilliant and keep sending them our way because we love it yes I also wanted to say before we started chatting that you want to have an opening prayer yes I'm glad that you knew where I was going with that like uh, (laughs) destiny I just wanted to say that I wanted to clarify that we are not anti-Mormon and we're not trying to, like, make any Mormons feel uncomfortable. We're just (laughs) pro-truth and telling our stories. And so I just wanted to put that out there to make sure people knew we weren't, like, I don't know, being anti-Mormon monsters. (laughs) I'm really, really glad that you brought that up because I think – we talk about it in the second episode, but to be quite honest, I don't really fucking remember because it was (laughs) a long time ago. But I think that we highlighted that point that this podcast isn't about us like sitting here bitching about the Mormon church and like every negative aspect and just being like, it's the fucking worst thing in the world. Like the whole point is that we just want to shed light on it and be like, this was our experience through this whole process of being a Mormon for however many years, like what we went through, what it, it did do to our lives, which to be honest, a lot of it is negative, mm-hmm. but I feel like we've grown as, as a person and we're able to have our own opinions and be able to see that like, yeah, we went through those things and that maybe it wasn't the most positive experience at the time, but at least we're able to like be out of it and see it for what it is. Um, we also aren't knocking people who still believe, like if you still believe in the Mormon church and you're listening, then that's great. Like whatever works for you. Like my motto, you do you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if that's for you, then great. But what we're doing is just highlighting what happened for us and our personal experiences and what we like and dislike about the Mormon church. And I mean, to be honest, it's going to be a lot of dislikes, but (laughs) Uh, I hope that we can present it in a respectful way, even though I do make a lot of jokes, but that's also what I do about every fucking thing in my life. So don't take offense to it. Yeah. And I think we can point out things that we really don't like about the church without, it's it's not like we're bashing, uh, bashing the individual members because I don't really have anything against any single person, you know, it's just just the church in general. So I'm, 
I'm like, of course I don't, but I do have problems with individual people, but that's a whole different story. Well, yeah, that, that's different, though. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, so I, I completely agree, and I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up, because I do want to emphasize that again, because I do, I know as of right now, things could change, but as of right now, there's quite a few people who are following and may have listened who are active and devout Mormons, and I don't want this to come across as of being offensive or attacking you or whatever it may be. Like, I just, we want to, to tell our story of what happened to us in this church, hoping that it relates to other people and maybe helps them in this situation. But it's not a podcast about, you know, fucking drinking haterade and, you know, <laughs> about the Mormon church all day. Like, that's not the yeah. point, but I'm sure it's still going to come across as that way. Yeah. And I honestly... Yeah, I'm trying to pretend that I care, and I I do on some <laughs> level, <laughs> but mostly I also just don't give a fuck. But people, we're not offending you. Okay, yeah. love you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. And it's just fun to talk about this stuff. So, <laughs> do you want to talk about Joseph Smith? <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Okay. So recap. First episode introduction, me talking for fucking 10,000 hours about <laughs> I don't know what. And our audio, yes, we know. It was like we only. We know, like, we know. And we're sorry, we're amateurs, so fucking deal with if it. If any of you want to volunteer your services, I'd be more uh-huh. than freaking happy because we're over we here producing it ourselves. So. Yeah, we should like. Maybe I'll like put an ad in Craigslist and be like, who wants to help us for free? Because I do not have any experience in audio. So that's why, yes, as Sarah said. You're doing a great job because I haven't done a fucking thing. So I appreciate that you're doing that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, first episode, introduction. Second one, we talk about sexuality after leaving well during you know being in the mormon church and also out of the mormon church so i.e losing virginity stories a juicy topic (laughs) um and yeah so this week we're going to talk about joseph smith and like what people know about him or maybe the perceptions they have of him if you're not a member if you are a member of the mormon church like yeah just kind of talking about that topic because to be quite honest I still don't know a whole lot about Joseph Smith. Um, and Katie, that's where you come in. Cause I feel like, you know, a shit ton more than I do. And especially on church history. And so I'm like, actually really excited. I'm excited to too. Yeah. I've like, Oh man, just years and years of like going down the rabbit hole of this stuff. Especially when I was researching before I left the church, I researched so much about the history. Cause that seems so important to me. Like, cause, Joseph Smith is where this church came from and Mm. you know so it's I think it's important or well not important but for me when I was trying to like decide if it was true this was a big topic well yeah I mean I remember like that's always the thing that every non-Mormon teases you about they're just like you worship John Smith and I'd be like it's Joseph Smith (laughs) John Smith was married to Pocahontas god get it right and then I'd be like, no, he's a great guy. But really, I had no idea anything about him. Like, it's I fascinating. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting how the church even currently portrays him versus a historical fact. So, it, yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Um, 
but I don't know, like what, what do you know about Joseph Smith? Okay. Like, what's your view? Here is my very basic recap of Joseph Smith. And I think this will be interesting too for people who aren't Mormons because I've had a lot of friends and acquaintances be like, when they when they're not Mormon or religious in any way, they're just like, okay, tell me about your religion. And mm-hmm. when I start to talk about Joseph Smith, I can see that they just totally check out because they're just <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? Yeah, I, I just don't even understand. So okay, so what I would always like hold on to for my understanding of Joseph Smith. Um, was that he was a 14-year-old boy who moved to New York with his family, but you never know why he moves to New York or to the city. It was like Palmyra, right? Uh-huh. Like, I remember, like, I never knew why. And the church never tells you, like, why they moved there. It just kind of, like, starts the story where they just moved there and, like, there's all these different churches that are like preaching to the family. And Joseph Smith was like this 14 year old boy that was like, I don't know what church to believe in. And so he goes to the woods and he prays and then God and Christ appear to him and like tell him that he has to start his own church. So mm-hmm. then that's pretty much what I know about it. And that he like started the church and had like all this shit happen. A lot of people like persecution but the church like always presents him as like this amazing, incredible, benevolent and just like faithful guy who had like this surgery on his, which I always thought was so dumb that like he had this surgery on his leg and he refused to drink alcohol to numb it because he was like, <laughs> no, the word of wisdom says that we cannot drink alcohol. And I remember like when I heard that story, like I would not do that. I would fucking chug two or three of those. Like... <laughs> There's no way I would refuse. <laughs> or like fucking sawing on my leg bone. Like, yeah, I gotta give me something for that. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember them telling that story and being like, you should be like Joseph Smith. And I was like in high school when I was drinking. <laughs> so I was like, well, well, I'm not like Joseph Smith. Yeah. Anyway, so I remember that. And then like everything else gets a little blurry. Like basically he translates the book of Mormon from golden plates, mm-hmm. but they like to make you sound like, or they make it, the church like makes you think that it's from like this special translation thing. And then you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And that like, <laughs> was like, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like I always imagined like, you know, the scene from ghost where like, yeah. He's, like, behind her, you know, helping with the pottery. That's how I imagined it with Joseph Smith. But it was, like, an angel being, like, and now the next verse will be, and it came to pass. Like, whispering in his (laughs) ear. And he just, like, writes the shit out. That is so So, good. I love that visual. (laughs) (laughs) Totally how I envisioned it. So I don't know why it took me so long to leave the church. Because that was, like, how I view this whole thing which is madness well it's also anyway, bizarre and all mormons believe this that's the funny thing it's just super interesting. yeah and like you just don't even question it you're right. just like okay cool yeah that makes sense and <laughs> then like he like you know gets murdered oh well he like okay so i'm skipping way ahead but i don't really know a lot about nauvoo like what happened with the temple and like the saints who followed him and then like I'm not really sure. I just know that he had wives, like multiple wives, like he was polygamous, but they always told us, cause I would ask questions about that. And they were always like, no, like the reason why polygamy even happened in the church was because like the women and men were persecuted and a lot of the men died. And so 
the women were single and they needed someone to take care of them back in that time. So it was completely platonic and just about like caring for people. And like, that's why Joe Smith lives. And I remember telling so many fucking people that like when anyone would always be like, Oh, but your church is polygamous. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Here's the reason why polygamy happened and it was not sexual. So it's okay. Polygamy is, sorry. Wow. That was really loud. <laughs> polygamy <laughs> is something that would be a really interesting topic. Like, cause that's kind of a deep one to like dive into yeah. just, but I, yeah, I, I've heard that excuse so many times about polygamy. Oh, it's awful. Right. But no, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think it would be really cool if we have an entire episode just on polygamy because there's so many things that I still don't quite understand. Like, I mean, even the polygamy that happened, but also like this belief that Mormons have that like I didn't know this until like two, no, probably three years ago. And it kind of shattered my universe as this Mormon woman because like I always thought like, okay, if I don't marry in this lifetime, then at least I'll like get to marry and like heaven and like have kids and then like someone a few people were like well yeah but you also like they believe in polygamy and the afterlife so like you could Mm -hmm. be married to like a guy who has like multiple wives and I was Mm -hmm. like what I have to fucking stay a virgin my entire life and share a man (laughs) when I die like this is horrible I'm not not a good deal yeah and they don't teach you that shit though like I know they don't Mm-hmm. Like, yeah like all... in the temple so for temple marriages it's, sorry little digression but in the <laughs> temple um if like a mormon couple gets a divorce which is super frowned upon but it happens um mm-hmm. the woman has to become unsealed from her like oh no wait no something to where like the man still stays sealed to the woman and he can marry another woman or like if his wife dies he can still get sealed to another one but the woman isn't like yeah yeah so that's like the afterlife polygamy theory there yeah and but the woman can't do the same Mm -mm, mm -mm. which is so fucked up yeah and so, also, yeah. the, the husband, like, if they do get a divorce, the husband has to give the woman permission to even get a divorce. Like, she can't just do it on her own type yeah. thing. Like, he has to give permission, which I also, like, oh. I, I'm going to digress a little bit here. But back in my super righteous Mormon days, <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, I was so in love with a Spanish guy. And he was married before in the temple. And then, like, he never really went into the details of, like, why they divorced. But long story short, they divorced, and he moved to Berlin. And I was, like, going to be the one who brings him back to church and, like, (laughs) makes him Mormon again and, like, active. Because, yeah, that was going to happen. Anyway, and I remember, like, one day we were hanging out, and he said that, like, his wife was asking for him to like sign the papers so that they could get an official temple divorce. And that he didn't even know about that. Like he was just kind of like, what? Like that's another weird thing about this church is like, I have to like, I have to give her permission. Like, shouldn't she just be able to divorce me in the temple anyways? Like why do I not? Yeah. It's not like a legal thing. Yeah. Like, but it's all about like, Mm. she can't officially be divorced in a temple until he gives her his permission. And I was like, 
And I remember when he was telling me that, like, I couldn't justify it. Like, I was also really shocked and kind of like, wait, what? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. But, yeah, that was one of the first times I'd ever heard that. And he was just like, well, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, I mean, he didn't say that exactly. But <laughs> obviously, because there's like me over there being like, well, I just think you should go to church and come back. And he's like, bitch, <laughs> I am done with the church. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like an interesting concept that I had never heard of until him. And then I started talking to other friends about it. And they were like, yeah, of course. Like, that's just how it works. And I was like, what? That sounds like so sexist on every level. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really bothering me. Yeah. Yeah. It's the sexism is so real and they try to cover it up in lots of different ways Uh, yeah it's disgusting speaking of which let's get back to john smith aka joseph smith (laughs) and his sexism because i i think it's really important to highlight this okay let me like i'm getting sidetracked because i'm getting so excited about this but (laughs) like (laughs) Because here's, like, my impressions of Joseph Smith, and then I think that they're pretty common amongst all Oh, completely, all yeah. Um, so I, that's why I'm so excited for you to be like, hey, motherfucker, here's the truth, and actually <laughs> drop that bomb of, like, what it actually happened in Joseph Smith. And I'm Smith. not, like, a super historian, and I, but I know some stuff, but I'm still, I'm sure there's going to be maybe someone who listens that's like, she got that wrong. <laughs> well, listen, they can go and suck at themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but not really because the point is like yeah but you do know a lot more and like you've researched a lot and like you I mean obviously this is not a fucking historical podcast like not every fact is gonna be 100% because (laughs) let's be real I don't research you do your part but I just kind of sit here and I'm like this is what I think either you believe it or you don't I love it the point is (laughs) I mean I've I've looked into some stuff before but like I don't do, like, a ton of, like, deep research, but this is, like, stuff that you don't actually have to do deep research, because if you're just listening to how we presented this story, you would automatically be like, oh, red flags everywhere, bitches. Right, like, right, story yeah. is crazy. Mm-hmm. But when you're, like, so immersed in the culture, you just overlook that stuff, because they're just like, oh, just have faith, like, it's okay, like, don't think about it too much. And then they present it in like a really pretty way. And it's mm-hmm. great marketing. Yes. So that you're just like, okay, I'm going to ignore all these huge gaps in the stories and just focus on one or two points and say that that's okay. Right. Which is what the church does, which is what they do with Joseph Smith because they just like pull out all the pretty parts of his life and talk exactly. about those and teach you that. And then you just believe out your entire life until you find out all those big old, those big ass gaps in the story are actually yep. huge ones. Yep. That if anyone were to actually know the truth, there's no way like a decent human being would. Okay, this is really mean. I'm not. So people who do <laughs> know the gaps and still believe, I'm not dissing you if this works for you, great. But I just feel like for anyone who knows these big gaps of, like, truth that they leave out, like, it's hard to, to still go to church and believe in this when you know it's like the truth. your trust has just been completely broken. You've been yeah, kind of lied to, in a way, you know, by omission. They haven't told you a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't even know about his polygamy for a really long time because they just literally don't talk about it. And if you bring it up, people get awkward and they tell you to just not talk about that. It's so weird. Yeah. 
that's the thing is that like if I would have known about his polygamy because honest to God I I always thought that like he was just like that he how do I say this that he brought about polygamy but he didn't actually participate in it that's like, what he, I thought like, too yeah I thought that's the same what I thing. always I always thought and was taught and then you know what the first time I even like started questioning that was when I did go to Nauvoo as a Mormon mm-hmm. for like my spiritual Mecca journey. <laughs> like I was like, we must go to Nauvoo. So, which also people who are not American or not Mormon or both of the above Nauvoo is in Illinois and it's the second, it's the second place, right? The Mormons went to after New York to establish like a colony or like to, whatever have like a religious community there yeah and they it built- was part of like they went to ohio and missouri as well but they also went to Nauvoo. Mm-hmm. so yeah okay this is why katie's here because again i'm just pulling <laughs> shit out that it really house. matters <laughs> uh, maybe because i'm just like this is the second official place they established and katie's <laughs> like nah bitch it's more like the third or fourth <laughs> it doesn't really matter though <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> Anyway, like they, uh, so I went there with like a bunch of other Mormon women and like did the whole temple thing. And they're like, this is going to be really good for you because you're going to feel the spirit so strong in this like historical place. And you like walk around Nauvoo and they have like these like, like missionaries who volunteer and they dress up as back in the day. And they like teach you how they live during that time. And you're just like, all right, that's cool. But then as I was walking, I kept noticing these other plaques that didn't say Latter-day Saints. It was like another church. And I was so confused. I'm like, wait, why does another church own a lot of this property and a lot of these like places? And they were like really hesitant to tell me the truth why. Like no one would answer those questions. And I was like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. And then we went to where Joseph Smith was buried Mm-hmm. in Nauvoo and like I was like well why isn't Emma Smith buried here or like yeah. any of his family and again like no one was really answering these questions and I was like okay so then I like researched it and was like oh like she didn't want to be buried with him like she was buried like with her family and then that whenever he died she left the church immediately and established her own like church which is the the church that owns like a lot of that property in Nauvoo. Yeah, it's the community of Christ, right? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, community of Christ. And that, like, shook my world where I was like, wait, this, like, wife of the prophet mm-hmm. who established this church left as soon as he died and yep. was very unhappy. Like, that's a huge indication. Huge. Happened. Yeah. Because in the Mormon church, they present Emma as this saint who was, oh. like, supportive and like faithful and like in the church and in Joseph Smith the entire time so like I had no idea that this actually happened yeah you I never knew that until I went and researched on my own I had never been told that yeah it's crazy yeah anyway okay so that's like my perspective which represents most Mormons when they grow up in the church and now Katie's gonna come in like yours is like <laughs> yours is like exactly how I I knew it too. It's that's so common. That's just what you hear. And Joseph Smith is just literally this saint. Like, oh, I saw this thing I was gonna read. It's on LDS.org. 
and it's like the overview of Joseph Smith, like their story of him. Okay. But um, this one part really stuck out to me. Um, let's see. Where is it? It says, um, for, a t- for a testimony of the restored gospel to be complete, it must include a testimony of Joseph Smith's divine mission. The truthfulness of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints rests on the truthfulness of the first vision and the other revelations the Lord gave to the prophet Joseph. In the Doctrine and Covenants, we learn Joseph Smith, the prophet, seer, and seer of the Lord, has done more, save Jesus only, for the salvation of men in this world and any other man that has ever lived in it. And it quotes uh, Doctrine and Covenants 135.3. So it's like he's literally the most important person in the whole world besides Jesus that has ever lived. Oh, my God. I've never heard that before. But that just gave me, like, shivers down my spine. Isn't that wild? Like, (laughs) if I would have read that scripture or that quote years ago, I think I would have left way sooner. Because I've never had this, like, testimony of Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. And like, I always felt really weird about it in general. But if I were to read that, like, he's the second most important man other than, or he is the most important man on earth other than Christ himself, yeah. like, that's insane. It's, it's crazy. So it's like that can give people an idea of how important Joseph Smith is in this religion. Like, it's, well, yeah, and, it's and almost remember- godlike, you know? Well, yeah, and remember, like, the, like when you bear your testimony, so, again, like, for people who aren't familiar with this, like, once a month you have a meeting at church called Fast and Testimony Meeting, and that's where you, you like, fast, you're supposed to fast for two meals, and then you get up and, like, for the main part of the meeting on Sunday, you get up and you bear your testimony, which is, like, this scripted, weird, cult-like thing, because you get up and you say, like, I just want to bear my testimony that I know, I know this church, church is true. true. I know that's Joseph Smith was thing. a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> and you always say it almost in that order. It's like, I know the church is true. And I know that Joseph Smith is a prophet. And I remember I would not, I would not say the second part for the longest time because I just didn't have this like spiritual connection to Joseph Smith. And I thought it was really weird that everyone like basically worshiped him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, but, but now even thinking about the fact that we get up there once a month and and recite this crazy cult like I know the church is true and right. it's the true church on the face of the earth and that mm-hmm. Joseph Smith is the true prophet of God like it's it's insane it's, it's crazy like, to think about right yeah I just oh man yeah and it's they teach like even little teeny 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 children to do that yeah and like you always think it's so cute you're like oh look at this little girl going up and bearing her testimony at four and now I think back and I'm like, well, fuck, no. Like, Yeah, she great. doesn't even know what she's saying at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Okay. Um, Truth bombs. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Um, Where do I start? Um, So, yeah, he was born in like 1805 and he was... He was born in Vermont, and then I think they moved him up Palmyra because it was something to do with, like, his family um, didn't have money, like, failed farms or something like that. So nothing really interesting, but they moved to Palmyra. And um, he wasn't very educated, like, formally educated, but he he was well-known to be a really good storyteller and, like he liked to treasure seek he would pretend that there was treasure buried in the hills all around his house and all growing up he would like 
try to go find it. He even would um, sometimes ask people to hire him to like go find treasure and stuff. That was like what he was known for as a teenager. And he did this interestingly interestingly enough (laughs) he did that like well into his 20s even after the whole book of mormon fiasco stuff um and he even got arrested for being a disorderly person because he like kept what they say it was something like he um, would take people's money promising to find them buried treasure and then he obviously wouldn't find them buried treasure so he did there's a few documented cases of that which is really interesting because you i've never knew about that oh my god i didn't know that either that's crazy yeah and like, i did hear like he was like a treasure hunter i remember reading that somewhere but yeah. i didn't know that part and his parents were like it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people in that time, they were really interested in, like, folk magic and kind of um, superstitious stuff. And they would claim to have, like, visions or dreams of God. It was pretty common. Um, but so that's also kind of interesting, like, in context of how he claimed that, like, God visited him, which came later, obviously. But um, wow. Oh, sorry. Side note again. Um, when you were saying, like, reading that quote about how it's important to believe in the first vision and yes. um, and whatever and kind of what he was saying, like, I also did read that, like, he, he when he first came back from the, the forest from praying, that he said that he just saw God. And then later on, he changes it to that he saw God or sorry, that he saw Christ. And then the third version is that he saw God and Christ. Yeah, there's actually four versions of it, which, so yeah, you, you got it right, but that's really interesting, and it's, so, yeah, he went, and he, like, prayed in the woods in 1820, and that's supposedly when all of that happened, um, but then there isn't an account written down of that actually happening until 1832, so it was, like, 12 years later, he wrote that first account down. That's the one where he said just one, like, God figure visited him. And then for the next 10 years, there's four other accounts that, like, change. Um, but that is so I never knew that cool. either. Yeah. Um, but the church just, I think they try to kind of cover that up. But it is on their website. I looked. And they just kind of say, well, you know, Joseph just got more clarity over time. <laughs> but you know that that's recent. That that happened because of that yes. CES letter and uh-huh. Jeremy. Well, I don't remember his last name. I'm so sorry, CES letter guy. I don't remember Jeremy. his last name either. Sorry. I don't remember his last name either. <laughs> it starts with an R, but whatever you can look it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I remember, like, I read it in that part, and I was like, "What?" And the church never ever tells you that there's more than one account. Like, it's always been he saw God and Christ and that confirms why we believe in them as separate beings because he saw both of them and they never ever ever mention another vision or like story or encounter and so when this guy brings it up like the church the church is forced to actually acknowledge it because people start questioning it and now they have it on their website and stuff saying that there were like other accounts but like it was clarified over the years and it's like oh okay it's craziness 
Um, yeah, so I guess in that first vision, um, what they tell, whatever godly being tells Joseph that none of the churches are true. They're all like corrupt and that um, he needs to bring the gospel of Christ back to the world and he's forgiven of his sins and all this other stuff. And then interestingly enough, three years later, after that happened is when he claims he was visited by the angel Moroni in his bedroom. Do you remember that story? Yes. Yeah. He says there's like this white light and this angel named Moroni comes to his bedroom and tells him about these golden plates, these ancient golden plates that are buried in a hill by his house. And with them is, are these special little seer stones that will help him translate these plates into English and <laughs> they t he tells them where they are. And when I was a practicing Mormon, I was under the impression he just went there and retrieved them, you know. But it actually took four years. Like, from when that happened, it took four years for him to say that he actually had the plates. So, it's... That, that he actually what? Like, that he actually went and got the plates. So, he... Well according to him. <laughs> what? So in like 1823, he said he was visited by the angel. And then he said that like every year he would go to the hill and he would try to get the plates, but the angel wouldn't let him. And he was like testing his faith. And then in, what was it? 1827 is when he claimed that he had them. But of course he wouldn't let anyone see him. Oh my God. That's crazy. And I, I remember also like whenever I was told that like no one ever saw the gold plates, but like they were there and that's how he translated the Book of Mormon. I was always so like, what? But why did no one see them? Like, I find that really suspicious. Like, <laughs> why yeah. would it matter if someone saw them or not? Like, it I know. wouldn't make anything worse. It would just, you know, make add validity to the story. Yeah. Um, the church tries to say that like the... That he had witnesses, you know, the witnesses to the Book of Mormon. Oh, and yeah, that yeah. Emma Smith saw them. But there's so many things, like, there's, it's totally not accurate. And even the witness testimonies, um, Joseph Smith wrote him, wrote it himself and then had the people sign it. And a lot, almost all of the witnesses actually were either excommunicated or left the church. So I don't think that oh. holds, holds up very highly. Oh my god, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyways, um, yeah, but he got the plates, and then he married Emma Smith, like, really closely around there. Um, and something I didn't know about Emma, too, is that her dad, like, hated Joseph Smith. And so they eloped. They, like, ran away and got eloped. They didn't even have a proper wedding. Because Joseph oh. Smith wasn't very liked, I guess, because of his, like, treasure-seeking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of like the images that are coming to my head is that South Park episode. I know, they... me too. <laughs> <laughs> like I just have this cartoon figure in my head of Joseph Smith from South Park. Oh from my that word, I love that episode. <laughs> oh 
oh it's so good yeah they do such a good job like it's their account is so much more historically accurate than what the church just tells people I know it's so good it's also they do the one on Scientology and it's oh, like so good exactly what they believe in but it's like they have to keep flashing at the bottom this is real this right is yeah real <laughs> oh my gosh that reminds me quick little sidetrack about Scientology Scientology. Uh Um, I was talking to my coworker today and I was telling her how I couldn't go to my, um, I couldn't view my cousin's wedding that's coming up because it was in the temple. And she Uh was like, can't you just like tell them that you're Mormon and get in? And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, you have to have like a temple recommend and you have to past this interview and you have to be like pay full tithing and she was like what you have to pay to get into the temple what is this Scientology (laughs) (laughs) it was so good (laughs) but basically it is I never thought about that but like you have to go through all those interviews and have a temple recommend which is them asking you if you pay tithing (laughs) yeah yeah isn't that crazy I know um, okay, yeah, back on track, though. So, he translate, quote-unquote, translates the plates over, like, a couple of years, and he has scribes. So, what happens is he, which, they don't really, they when at least when I was growing up in the church, they didn't really openly explain how he tra- translated the plates. He takes these little stones called the seer stones, or as he called them, the Urim and Thummim. <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> the Urim and Thummim, and yeah. And puts them inside a hat, like a top hat, and then looks in the hat <laughs> at the stones. And then he just starts talking and telling whoever his scribe is. It was either... Let's see, who were they? I think that was Martin Harris and Oliver Cowdery. He would just, like, tell them stories and that this was supposedly revealing what was on the golden plates. And I learned that sometimes the golden plates weren't even, like, in the same room when this was happening. Sometimes he he would say he left them buried outside, like, for safekeeping, and he would just do the hat, the stone hat thing. No. <laughs> I had no idea, because you know how they have that famous painting of Joseph Smith, like, dictating to, I think, I don't know if it's Oliver Cowdery or Martin Harris in the painting, but, like, they have the gold plates out on the table. Like, it's like he's looking at it and translating it. But that's not how it happened at all. That's so true, and that was the other, like, big reason why I left because when in the CES letter they they say that like that's how he actually translated it and so then I like researched it and I was like what the fuck man like the picture that they have is like Joseph Smith sitting at the table with the golden plates to his left and then like a piece of paper and a, a quill that he's yeah. writing with and, and I was yeah, like and he never right. even wrote, wrote any of it <laughs> I know right and I was like okay I guess that kind of makes sense but then you find out later that he's putting his fucking head in a hat <laughs> and just dictating it and it's like what the hell man like, oh isn't that the funniest like <laughs> visual just <laughs> yeah it's the South Park one again it makes Seriously. me giggle they have it in the South Park episode and I was dying oh, I like, love it 
It's so funny. Like, he literally put his head in a hat and was like, oh, yep, here we go. Oh, and oh, it came to pass. And it came to pass that, uh, what is, the, what is the word that's in the Book of Mormon all the time? Verily? Remember? What? Is it remember? Like, remember or remember? Oh, what is it? Like, no, verily, verily? Verily, verily, or, like, listen or something like that. I remember oh. when I... Yeah, I think I know what you're talking saying about. That. It's like the most <laughs> commonly used word in the Book of Mormon that basically means like listen up. Oh, oh um. Word. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Either way. A side note, I was talking, this is going to be so obnoxious to listeners, but this is relevant. I was talking to this like British guy and he kept like in his messages, he keeps putting Y-E and <laughs> And I was like, could you not write that? Like, I don't understand. Are you trying to say E? And he's like, no, it's like short for yeah. And I was like, okay, but that is bringing me back to my Mormon days. And I feel like I'm reading scriptures when I read your text. And I cannot get behind that. Like, every time it's like ye. And I was like, ah, memories of reading scriptures every day. Like, I can't do this. You cannot go on a date with me if you say that. Like, That's so funny. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so they Okay, so yeah, they translate it what well, supposedly. And then they have those witnesses that supposedly see it, but I the whole thing is kind of shaky. <laughs> and well. um then very conveniently Moroni the angel comes back and he takes the plates in, to heaven. So <laughs> no one can see him anymore, but Good, good thing for us. Joseph wrote everything down, or whatever he translated it. So now we have a paper version of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. So then they, um, yeah, they like print and distribute that, and they kind of start to. It's kind of still a little bit foggy to me, like the whole persecution thing, but I think. Mormons were just getting really obnoxious and Joseph was really power hungry too. Like he wanted a lot of power and a lot of followers. And so they, that's when they started moving West. Oh, okay. And so they first went to, I think it was like Ohio and then Missouri and then Nauvoo. And Nauvoo is really interesting because he had a lot of power there and he was like, he was head of the like Nauvoo Legion and he wanted to form like this big militia and he wanted to separate from the United States. Well, first he wanted to run for president. <laughs> what? Yeah. He like wanted, I don't know if he know actually this? did, but he, it was like planned or he was like campaigning for it or something. I don't know the exact details there. Um, but yeah, he wanted to be president and then um, like people didn't like the Mormons and they also, this was around the time people were like discovering Joseph Smith was practicing polygamy, which by the way, Emma did not approve of at all. Ugh. And like, do you remember in the Doctrine and Covenants where there's like this supposed scripture straight from God that says Emma's name and it says that she has to like... I don't know the exact words, but basically that she needs to be okay with polygamy because it's commanded of God or she'll be destroyed. <gasps> no, I do know what you're talking about, yeah. though. 
I think yeah. it's like in Doctrine and Covenants, right? Like, yeah. Um, like I think it's in section 132, but I could be wrong. Um, so anyways, they found out that he's doing that and he was marrying like young girls as young as 14 and he married the first one without Emma even knowing, but then she found out and then he kept doing it and then he actually married, I think it was like 10 so I think the total number was somewhere between 30 and 40 women. And 10 of them were actually already married to another man that was alive. Um, whoa, 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 wait. So he married 30 to 40 women? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> the numbers are kind of like sketchy. I think it even could be a little bit more than that because sometimes people aren't sure. But like the ones that are solid that we know of, it's like at least 30. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a lot, right? And um so people were mad about that when they discovered that and then he also was like trying to form these militias which people weren't excited about. And basically what happened is that they some these people who lived in Nauvoo who weren't Mormon, they they made this like printing press to print this newspaper called the Nauvoo Expositor. And in that first edition, they were wanted to expose Joseph Smith for practicing polygamy and a couple other things that he had done. Um, like, I think he'd been arrested for something with bank fraud. Um, he'd done some bank fraud stuff <gasps> anyway. And he found out about it. And so he, like had the Navu Legion uh, go destroy that printing press and burn that building down. And so that's when he got um, arrested for like treason and stuff like that. And for um, destroying the printing press. So that's why he went to jail. Yeah. That's why he went they, to Carthage. They show. never tell you that. No, they tell you, they tell you that he was just like, this martyr and was so perfect and was persecuted but he was like far from perfect there's a lot that he did that's just like whoa <laughs> wow um yeah Shit. And, and i think like in other stuff i've read he and brigham young both they wanted like a theocratic government so they really wanted um you know like the religious rule and government rule and oh my God. people in Nauvoo were not having it. <laughs> and yeah, it was really hostile. Um, so in, it was like 1844, um, he was arrested for that and his brother Hiram as well. And they took him to Carthage jail. And something I didn't know was that he had a gun. He had somehow, someone had, smuggled a gun into him in Carthage jail, which I had no idea. And a mob came to the jail and um it's presented as the mod the mob just like attacks and kills Joseph Smith, but he actually yeah. um shot and killed two people. Which I mean, yeah, he was getting attacked by a mob, so whatever, but that's just another thing that I never knew. Wait, let me just like clarify that again. So he shot and killed two people. Yeah, like that were in the mob that were trying to break down the door. To get yeah, and there. okay. 
So, of course, like, if I was in that situation, I'm sure I would be defending myself, too. Oh, and there's yeah, nothing necessarily wrong about that. But it's just the fact that they never tell you. They always yeah. say that, like, he was upstairs, like, singing hymns or whatever. <laughs> like, honest to God. That was, yeah. I and know. one source that I, like, I was researching, <laughs> one source says that they um, they even ordered, like, wine. And he Joseph Smith did drink alcohol, which is funny because of that story that you told. Um, yeah, he like he did drink alcohol, and um, they did like use tobacco. But then, and then the uh, word of wisdom came along or whatever. And <laughs> but he did use it sometimes, which is funny. But That's yeah, the so gun crazy. thing, like I would have used the gun too. But it, why don't they just? Why doesn't the church just tell us that? Yeah, because like, like I said, I went to that jail and I did the whole tour and mm-hmm. they take you up to the room where he like was shot and mm-hmm. like fell out the window mm-hmm. and they presented of like, okay, these guys were like, you know, all of them were in there and they were like singing hymns and like Joseph Smith was just so calm and just like telling everyone it's okay that like, you know, they'll be in a better place after this and that they did right. And like, anyways, just like presenting them as like these peaceful people who just like sat there and pretty much wait, awaited their death or mm-hmm. like were martyrs. But you don't hear any of this stuff. And they even play, the suckers, they even play in the background, like this tape where it's like you, it's if you hear the mob coming up the stairs and like breaking down the doors, oh, yeah. like shooting and stuff like that. Like it's yeah. really... <clears throat> sorry a very intense moment and I think they do that because then if you hear any of that like it doesn't have to be in a spiritual setting if I were to hear that sitting at you know a Jewish memorial which I've you know gone to a few of those or sitting like at a, a war site where they're telling you a story you get choked up like you wouldn't right. hear like stories of people being in awful situations and being persecuted and like you know, you hear the voices and the reenactment. Like, I start crying immediately. Mm-hmm. But they play that shit there at that jail. And, like, I started, like, choking up and crying, too. And I was like, it must be true. It must be, like, the spirit telling me. They tell me. you that that feeling is the spirit. They they yeah. convolute emotion with, like, the Holy Ghost. Exactly. So I left there being like, oh, I felt the spirit so strong. And it wasn't until like after I've left the church that I've gone to other things or like been able to identify what they call as a spirit as just being emotion. Yes. And because I've had that same experience in multiple occasions that have nothing to do with spiritual or like a religious moment. It's just like having the ability to empathize and feel emotion. And that doesn't mean it's like the Holy Ghost. But Anyways, point is they like totally manipulated the situation by playing that tape in the background as you're mm-hmm. sitting in the jailhouse. Yeah. And then make it seem like he's a total martyr who just like sat there passively while like he was shot at. Which again, I'm not saying like it's bad that he did shoot or defend himself because I would do the same thing. It's just like how they present it in the church, you know? Yes. And you know, to be fair, the Mer- the Mormons, they were <laughs> really like persecuted but joseph smith wasn't very likable and he's he's portrayed as likable now but like back then people didn't like that he was like trying to rule everything and bring in this new weird religion when they were like staunchly in their religion and then he wanted to form all these you know like 
battalion style things and then he burns someone's printing press down and he yeah and then he's like doing the stuff that people find immoral so it's like I and it's it's just it's one of those things where it's like yeah that wasn't right for them to do but it's not been told to us correctly by the church that we supposedly believe in exactly that's my problem like I'm not I will not like defend any any group of people who are persecuted for their like I'm all like that's horrible that they were persecuted no matter what and that's not what we're here to talk about like it's not like we're saying that like oh yeah these people should have been persecuted because they believed in like a fucking weird religion that's not the thing like at all yeah it's just the fact that like this happened but the church never ever highlights these points of like showing the the true authentic story and it's always like okay let's just pick the the pretty parts to make him look like a hero and a martyr and you get all these emotions and you think that he's like this amazing incredible like perfect saint when in reality that's not what was happening at all it's kind of like finding out that like santa claus isn't real or that like you know if you for me it was like my grandparents were like the perfect most amazing couple that I've ever seen and like I always looked up to them and it was like oh my god they're like that's what I want and then having like my mom or my dad tell me later oh yeah they used to fight all the time or they weren't like that always and blah blah and you're like no 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 you're ruining like yeah it like shatters that dream right and that comfort that you have from thinking that this this was in such a way but it's actually not yeah, and the fact that you, like, defend it and you, like, put yourself out there. Like, you you change your entire life based on these these stories or these, like, ideas. And then when you find out that, like, none of that was actually accurate or it was just bits and pieces that were told so that they could say, well, technically it's true, but it's, like, <laughs> missing three-fourths of the real story. And you just feel like I felt completely not only, like, sad and upset but really disappointed as if like I and I felt dumb too like I felt like oh, me man. too yeah like, I just feel really dumb right now yeah yeah and I looked back at it like okay it's one thing to not tell us stuff but then I look back at it too and I'm like how did I even you know they just like take Joseph Smith's word for so much stuff like yep. about how he supposedly saw God and how he supposedly saw these angels and how he translated, like everyone believes this just to believe it. And I was one of those people and I didn't even question yeah. it. And then you even find out that even that isn't the correct story. <laughs> so exactly. everything is just like blown up. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. And it's interesting to me. I, I like to talk to Mormons about this because they really do believe it. And so that's what's so fascinating to me is that I don't know how people can like wrap their mind around this happening, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I can't Very even like now that you're on the outside, it's just like, whoa, I can't believe like, cause I went to Nauvoo and did all of this stuff. Like it's been a little over two years. Uh-huh. But may, maybe three years. No, I think it's been like over two years. And I mean, that's not that long ago. And I remember going there and like feeling all these feelings of confusion of like, whoa, I just found out a lot of stuff I didn't know. 
But then also having all these people I was with being like, oh, don't you feel the spirit so strong? Like, you just know this church is true. And I was like, uh, I guess I do. Like, I think so. But it was actually (laughs) that experience of going to Nauvoo that was kind of like the tipping point for me. Because when we came back to Chicago, I was living in Chicago at that time. When I came back, I stopped going to church then. See, isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and my friends were like really confused because they were like, because the week before we went to Nauvoo, we went to Salt Lake City and I went through the temple there and did all of like the Mormon history sites there. And then we went to Nauvoo as well. So I did like both like huge Mormon spiritual historical trips mm-hmm. and people were just like, how can you come back from those and not be even more like confirmed and you're believing and like you know more devout or whatever but it was Nauvoo that totally shook my world because I just found out so much stuff that I didn't know at all and then they have like these quotes there too from like prophets and a few of them are from Brigham Young and they were uh, cool and I remember horrible. like standing there with my friends being like no this can't be a real quote like this guy is a terrible human being and he's mm-hmm. a prophet like Wait, what? Yeah. Brigham Young is pretty terrible. Yeah. And for those of you, again, who, like, don't know anything, Brigham Young was the second prophet of the church. So when Joseph Smith was murdered, uh, Brigham Young, like, he went in to be prophet, and that's that's why Emma Smith left, right? Yes. Like, she was like, she didn't want him to be a prophet. She thought that her son, so her and Joseph Smith's son, should be the next prophet, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And then the members were like, no, like Joseph Smith, uh, Brigham Young is the next prophet and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like this awful, racist, sexist, terrible human being. And he became the next prophet. And also I found out too that he believed in Adam doctrine and that's what he taught when he was a prophet for a few years. Yeah. Wow. yeah like, that's he did. Yeah, so Adam, the Adam-God theory for people who don't know, probably a lot of people don't know, but yeah, Brigham Young taught that um, Adam was literally God, so. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. explains a lot of, like, the temple services, because when you go through the temple, they do, a, they talk a lot, a lot, a lot about Adam, like, it's the whole two-hour session pretty much is just about Adam and Eve, and, like, this whole... Anyways, it's like intense. We can talk about this another sec, like another episode about the temple ceremonies. But I remember being like weirded out my first time because I was like, "Whoa, they put so much emphasis on Adam. Like it's kind of weird." Like yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, Brigham Young was crazy. He also taught about like the blood atonement, where that some sins that can only be forgiven if they if the person is shedding blood. So that's where all those crazy things happened, like where people were killing people in Utah. They were like, oh, you're a sinner. I'll kill you because Brigham Young said, like, it's better. That's how they get atoned is by shedding their blood. So you're like saving them. You're helping them get to heaven. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really interesting to look up. And I don't know if you know this either, but in the temple ceremonies, you know how, I don't know exactly because I haven't been in there, but there's like, you have to prompt, you hold your arm up and do those funny like gestures. Yeah, you do the signs. 
Yeah, there was one where you like like slide your hand across your body as if you're like cutting yourself. Um, and they used to, ha- before 1990, that was in the temple ceremony. And you like said that you wouldn't tell anyone like, or you'd perish or something. You did like a gesture of like killing or like dying. So what? I think that's kind of where that came from with the Brigham Young thing. But then they removed it from the temple ceremony in 1990. Oh my God. That's so crazy. <laughs> my mouth is I can't wait for us to do that episode on temple ceremonies because that's just like one of the, again, it's like the further up you get in the church, it kind of does parallel to Scientology though, because the further up you, you get in the church, they tell you all this like crazy stuff and it just gets weirder and weirder, (laughs) but you feel like, well, shit, I've invested so much into it already. Like I can't leave now. Like, yeah. My entire life is based off this. And that's where I was for like the last, I would say, three years. I was like, well, I've invested so much into this. Like, I, I've i gone through the highest point. Like, I'm going to go to hell if I leave. But also, do I even believe? Because this is some crazy shit that they are teaching. <laughs> and I just feel so uncomfortable. But I was like, well, I just got to keep going because I've gone so far this long and like, you know, like I may as well. Oh, Sarah, but, I can't but, wait till we do that episode because I can't wait to just like learn stuff from you about that because <laughs> I've looked things up online and I've even seen like someone snuck in a little camera into one of those yeah. ceremonies, but it's not the same as like hearing it described from someone you know. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. It, it's next level. Like I. Oh, I never, ever, ever felt comfortable doing it. And people just kept telling me that, oh, it's, they told me two reasons why. First is that I wasn't doing my part well enough that I wasn't like spiritually preparing for it. And that's why like, I wasn't feeling the spirit and I was feeling weird about it because Satan was in my heart and like, I wasn't prepared enough. And then the second one was like, basically saying that like you just have to the more you go the more comfortable you feel because you have to like memorize these these sayings which are like really really cultish again like you memorize and you repeat it back to the the like these people who are behind the veil Uh, which okay I'm gonna well I'll explain all this in detail when we actually do that episode but it's just like I, I never, ever, ever felt comfortable. And I would have, like, massive panic attacks before I would go in. Because it's a two-hour session. And you're, like, stuck there for two hours. Like, you can't interrupt and just be like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Like, you are stuck in there Ugh. for two hours. And I would get such anxiety attacks. Like, I remember taking, like, was it lorazepam? Is that the one that like, calms you down? I think so. And my friend had them, and I remember she had to give them to me because I was just like, oh, like, I hate doing this, and I feel so uncomfortable, and, like, I just kept saying in my head, like, it's because Satan has a hold of me, and I would blame myself. I'd Like, I guess I'm just not, like, righteous enough, like, I'm not preparing enough, and they would say, like, you only get out of it as much as you put in, and so that's why I'm not, like feeling the spirit, and I'd be like, oh, they're right, like, I'm just a horrible person, but in reality, it's just crazy crazy thing and some people listeners get this so one session is two hours some people would do do three sessions that blows my mind 
every a day. And when I talk about these sessions, these sessions are so intense and it's two hours. Like I would leave and be so physically and emotionally exhausted because my brain was just like spinning out of control anyways, being like, you don't believe in this. And then I would be like, no, 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 that's Satan in your head. Stop, stop, stop. Like focus and like, you know, start repeating these like things and you get anxiety because you have to memorize this stuff and all these hand movements. And then you have to change all your, like your clothing as well. And then you're trying not to laugh because everyone looks so fucking weird. <laughs> and you're like, I'm like trying not to get the giggles uncontrollably, but also like be mature. And I'm just like, I can't. It was too much for my brain to take. Oh my gosh. Rappers. You know what? I bet so many people feel like you felt and they just don't talk about it. Yeah, because if you do, it's like you're not righteous enough. So everyone would always be like, that was so incredible. I just felt the spirit. And I'd be like, really? Because you look super uncomfortable to me. Yeah. But all right, I guess I'm the only one who's unrighteous. But uh, I think you're right. I think in reality, it was just I was the only one saying stuff. Oh, like, you know what that reminds me of is the temple ceremony that um, Joseph Smith, like, invented most of those you know and yes, a lot of them came from masonic rituals which yes. i know we've kind of talked about me and you personally but yeah for listeners um the freemasons joseph smith was one and even like there's symbols all around the temples and in, in the actual rituals and then even on the garments there's like little symbols that came from like a masonry background Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, because I also I think I read that in that I'm going to keep bringing up the source. So I hope people like go and read it. But it's called the CES letter. Um, and it's, it stands for Church Educational System. And it was this guy who wrote this letter and he addresses all of these issues. And one of them is this comparison. And I remember being like, what? And then I looked up the ritual, the Masonic ritual. And I was reading it and Katie, I was like, that's when I got really sick, actually. Like, I felt sick to my stomach because I was mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, this is like almost verbatim. They change a few things, but it's not a I lot. I just got and chills. Yeah, it wow. was like, it, it really, like, that was one of the, the other things that just, like, rocked my world. And I stopped wearing garments after that because I was like, I... I know I'm supposed to and like I'm breaking a huge, huge covenant and promise that I made with the Lord and like this is the worst thing I could possibly do. But at the same time, I'm so weirded out right now that our like ritual or our temple ordinances are based on Masonic like rituals. Like, yeah, I it made me so uncomfortable. And then there's actually oh, so speaking of which there's the I think he's. He used to be the lead singer, or maybe not lead singer, but singer of Neon Trees. Is that right? Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, and that music video he made where he does all of the temple symbols in that. <gasps> I remember that. I saw that. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And he, like, has his patriarchal blessing, like, everywhere. And I remember as a Mormon, I watched that video. You watched and it as a Mormon? I oh, did. yeah. Because, yeah, that was an all Yeah, and I was, like, so upset by it. And I was, like, I remember talking to my Mormon friends being, like, oh my God, like that video like made me feel sick. And like, I just, I can't believe that he would expose that. And like, what a horrible person. But I was just saying that to say that to make my, like kind of justify it to myself. Like, yeah. 
that I was feeling like, cause I, I remember watching it and being like, Oh my God, this kind of confirms everything that I had doubts about, but I was like too scared to address it at that point. So I talked about it with Mormon friends and was like, yeah, like, oh, I can't believe he would do that. Like, that's so horrible, blah, 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 blah. Cause I was like trying to justify it or like convince myself that that's why I felt that way. Yeah. It wasn't because I knew that it was like that he was right and that this is all fucked up and really weird, but that like I felt weird because he was exposing something sacred. Yeah. And that kept trying to convince myself that's what it is. That's what it is. Oh. And it's like, oh, it's so crazy. For sure. Oh, For sure. Um I just looked up the the author of the CES letter is Jeremy Runnels. That's right. And yeah, yeah, if any listeners, if you're, you probably aren't interested in it if you're not Mormon, but if you are and you're interested in it, you can just look it up at cesletter.org. Yeah. And it's free. Like he has a PDF version, which I have like on my computer. Cause I still, I don't think I ever actually finished the entire thing. I just read enough. It's really long. Got, yeah. <laughs> it's really long. And I just, yeah, I, I read enough to, to where I was like, oh wow. Like I am questioning everything. And then I put it on pause. And like figured shit out, and yeah. then I've I've been gone back a few times since to read more about it. But that's a whole other story, a whole other episode we can talk about too, because he was excommunicated, yeah. and like and watched the video that he like sneak that he snuck mm-hmm. in to like panel, and I watched it, and I was just like, holy fuck, like this is crazy how they handled the whole situation. Yeah. Because basically all it is, is it's just a letter that he wrote with his concerns about lots of things in Mormonism that didn't make sense to him. And he was a member and it just turned into this huge thing where he got excommunicated. And I know that now I bet like in Mormon culture, they would say that the CES letter is anti-Mormon, but it's not. It's just asking Mm -hmm. questions and pointing out things that don't make sense. Yeah, things that are in the actual church history. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is he wasn't pulling out shit from his ass. Like these No, are it's all true. It's all true and it's all like documented in the church, right? But they yes. just don't talk about it. Yeah. Like it's it's just something they don't talk about. So he was just asking for clarification and they just like shut him down, like wouldn't answer anything. And then their solution was to excommunicate him. Yep. Which he wasn't even asking to like leave the church or bash. He just wanted to know the answers so that he could like move on as a member. Yeah. And so then I think that's when, after he got excommunicated, is when he published the letter. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and he like recorded, <laughs> like secretly recorded the meeting that you go into where they yeah. basically tell you that you're excommunicated. Which Ooh. I wonder, like, because I haven't officially taken my name off the records yet. I keep forgetting to do it. <laughs> but I wonder if they're just going to excommunicate me because of this podcast. It's because, possible. Right, we're, because we're technically apostasy, right? Apostasy. Yeah, you're, you're, we're in apostasy. <laughs> yeah, so that's like one of the highest levels of like sin, right? Yes. Like, so. I think it's possible that they could, especially if this reaches enough people and if they feel like... I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I'm pretty sure because also, like, if you talk about the temple outside of the temple, like, that's when you get Oh, yeah. Big trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure I will. Which, uh, speaking of which, I watched this uh, documentary in L.A. And I don't know if you've seen it. 
But it's like this ex-Mormon who she she's a lesbian and she left the church and does like Mormon porno now, which is like the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I have so, not watched this. Yeah, what is it called? It's so cool. Um, I'll have to send you the link. It's on Vice. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. So she, she blurs her face the whole time because like, she's not ready to be that public yet, but she went on a mission and everything and started questioning the church. And also it was like really difficult with difficult with her sexuality and like how the church is just not very friendly towards anyone who is attracted to the same sex or whatever. Um, like the, yeah, anyways. Uh, we'll, we'll have a whole other episode on that too, because that's yeah. something definitely, definitely needs to be talked about. Yes. Um, especially cause it's pride month and we talked about this, that we want to like really highlight that, um, and talk about that area. But anyways, uh, so she like goes and she's like, she makes like a uh, porn now and it's like all Mormon based, like, like it'll have like Mormon <laughs> missionaries and stuff. And then like, Oh, you have a meeting with the Bishop for a t- <laughs> like it's so hilarious and then and then they like have like temple scenes where like the the women both wear like the mormon ritual clothing for the temple and like the interviewee or the interviewer is like where do you even get these garments and stuff because like she lets her try it on like the girl who's interviewing her like Uh puts on the whole temple ritual clothing oh my gosh it's so crazy and she gets it from like people send it to her People oh, who would, like amazing, like send them or send her their their garments, and I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. I love it. <laughs> so like you can see the full like I mean if you watch this documentary, you pretty much see like how the ritual is performed or at least parts of it. Mm-hmm. Which That's is so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I love it. I need to look up that it's not a long documentary. I think it's like. 30 40 minutes because they also talk about how you know like in utah uh there's like this movement to end porn like porn kills oh my gosh it's like a big deal they huge deal and did you know that they yeah they like focus on that and they're trying to focus on laws to make porn watching porn online illegal but the air quality there is so bad and like none of those politicians are doing anything about that kind of stuff about you know like regulating the pollution they're just focused on this dumb on like porn kills yeah no and like it's so interesting because i didn't realize it was that big of a movement there until like in this documentary like she meets with the uh the mayor of salt of salt lake city of utah (laughs) my policy (laughs) horrible what are you a mayor of a city right um, I think you're, yeah, the mayor of a city. Okay. You're so, the governor of the state. Yeah, you're governor of the state, you're mayor of a city. So she meets with then, I guess it's the mayor or the governor. Anyways, it's in Salt Lake City, and he's the one who's, like, pushing this movement towards, like, you know, beginning past or whatever. And then, like, she goes to these conventions that are for porn kills and, like, porn addicts and stuff like that. And then, like, their reasonings are just, like, so, it, it like, blows your mind. It's so bad. Like, the, yeah. Yeah, we could talk about that for a while on an episode. No, I, because I used to feel the same way. I used to be like, oh, my God, like, 
porn is like the worst, most evil thing. And to be honest, my feminist side comes in quite a bit that has nothing to do with Mormonism. And I get a little like aggressive against porn, but for feminist reasons, not as sex is a bad thing or that watching sex is a bad thing, but just more of like how they degrade women a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, in my opinion, if the woman, like, you know, the, the porn actress, if she, likes it and if that's really what she wants to do and she feels empowered and also if they show it in a way that's not degrading it's like that's her own prerogative and I don't think it's it's harmful but I totally agree with you in that in a lot of circumstances the women are used and they're not paid enough and it's that's a whole other thing but yeah 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 but that can be a whole other thing but in general I don't believe that like porn is bad for society in the sense that it shouldn't be a shame to like enjoy sex and enjoy watching it yeah like I think that is a separate issue from like the you know degrading women and and like teaching them that rough sex is what women like every woman wants when in reality there's like a small percentage of women who actually enjoy like right right choking in like that intense rough sex you know Mm mm-hmm that's a whole other issue, though. But <laughs> yeah, there's like billboards and stuff in Utah when you drive on the freeway that that say like "porn kills" and blah blah blah. It's it's intense there. It's so intense. I can, I just and you're going there pretty soon, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love visiting Utah because it's beautiful, and I love seeing my family and friends. Um, but the Mormon culture is just something else (laughs) it's so intense like every time I go back after leaving so when I lived there you know for school I've been back like twice now I think and both times I'm just like ugh, it's so judgy here like I feel like as soon as I get off the plane I'm instantly like insecure and I feel like I'm constantly being judged and I thought that was interesting because I haven't been back since I left the church. This is always when I was as a Mormon. I just felt like so insecure Mm -hmm. and that I was never like righteous or good enough in Utah. Oh, yeah. So crazy. Yeah, like downtown Salt Lake City is fine. It's better. But like the suburbs, it's just like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is a interesting little bubble. (laughs) It is interesting. But anyway, you know, speaking about Joseph Smith, <laughs> which, I mean, you you can go and watch that movie in Salt Lake City on Joseph Smith. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think I read that it, that's pretty whitewashed as well. <laughs> um, let me tell you, I went on, get this is how Mormon I used to be back in the day. I went on a group date to watch that movie. Oh my, I love you. <laughs> that is so hilarious. <laughs> That is romance. Literally a group date to go to Salt Lake City to watch a movie about Joseph Smith. If that isn't Mormon, I don't know what the fuck is. That's perfect. Uh, And I remember. Was it like near the temple? Is it like the Joseph Smith building over there? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's where they play it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how much like land and property they own, too. Oh, it's an, and how it's things are just like named after Joseph Smith. Ugh, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's so awful. Yeah, like I just feel like if people knew and accept, I don't. I think it's two parts. I think that if Mormons are people who believe in in Joseph Smith and in the church, if they 
found out the truth, they would be devastated, but also if they accepted it. Because I think a lot of times what Mormons did, and what I did for a really long time, is I, I knew in my gut and my heart and everything that it wasn't true, but I just kept overlooking it because accepting it was too difficult. It meant completely changing my life and my identity and everything, yeah. and I was too scared. Yeah. But I think if people were to like actually find out the truth about Joseph Smith and accept it, it would be like a crazy exodus out of the church. Yeah. And I think like since there's so much information ab- available now, I've noticed and I've seen like studies done that there are a lot more Mormons leaving because now the information is available on the internet. Whereas to previous generations, you, you couldn't find the information as easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. Um, okay. Well, I think that's it for it. Yeah. That was a great episode. Yeah. I feel like we covered Joseph Smith and everything else and got sidetracked a thousand times, but that's normal. That's all right. And and if any of the listeners have questions about Joseph Smith, uh, you can ask us. Don't ask us. us. You can ask me. Ask me because Sarah doesn't want to know, but you can ask me. (laughs) I'm going to respond with a fucking made up answer. So do not ask me. Maybe you want to hear her made up answer. It could be funny. But yeah, we I have we have Facebook now. To South Park. And what? Like, watch this. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, watch the South Park episode of this. Um, but <laughs> I was gonna say we have Facebook now, and we have Instagram and Twitter. So yay! So go follow us go and follow subscribe us. and like us and love us because we're needy and we need your validation. Come so like us. <laughs> I need your validation just like me. Um, but yeah, so our handle for Twitter is, pff, I've already forgotten it's what it is. Not so Molly Mo. Not so Molly Mo. Yeah. Okay, right. And then for Instagram, it's not so Molly Mormon podcast. So, mm-hmm. which make sure you have the podcast at the end because not so Molly Mormon was taken and like, <laughs> it's like a crazy number. So apparently there are a lot of you out there. So fucking listen to our podcast because you already have our name, bitches. So Instagram, yeah, Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. And the same for Facebook. It's Not So Molly Mormon Podcast as well. Correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. And if you want to send us your stories, send them. And if you want to be on the podcast with us, that would be fun. Yeah, please do. Like, I know that we just say that, but honest to God, like, it's it's really, it's so motivating getting these messages from people who are sharing their stories because it makes us feel like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Like, this is what we want to be doing. We want to mm-hmm. hear from other people that have similar stories to ours or maybe who don't. That's even cooler if your story is, like, completely different perspective or whatever. We want to hear them all. So yes. please send them in. And if you feel comfortable enough sharing them on, you know, doing like an episode with us, we welcome all the people because that adds variety and that gives more voices to this cause, which I don't know if it's a cause per se, but just to this podcast. Yeah. So I love it. That's it. Well, Sarah, you you are up for the closing prayer. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Everyone bow your head, please. And (laughs) let's get in the moment. Got to search, ponder, and pray. Think about what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sister Little. 
His sister little. Oh my god. I haven't been called that in so long. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, sister little. Oh, that just made me feel like real uncomfortable actually. Oh, shall we just end on an uncomfortable note? Yeah, let's end on that. Um, love your faces, even though I've never seen most of them. Love them. That's a lie. People who have listened are like majority of my friends. So yeah. love you, love you, love you. We love you. And thank you for listening so much. Yes. And we will talk to you soon. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.